empty to say thank you to God. It's good to be together as God's people. It's great to see each of you here this morning, those who are here, those online. We're just thankful uh, this morning. We should always be thankful, right? We're just thankful. Let's pray to God, please. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you so very much for blessing us, for helping us, for saving us, for keeping us, for strengthening us, for protecting us, for giving us all the blessings in Christ Jesus. Thank you for sending Jesus to die that we might live. We're thankful that Jesus volunteered to come to serve you perfectly, to die that we might live. We're just so thankful, Lord God, of the decision of the Godhead and of your great mercy. We're thankful, Lord God, for all things. And we just ask this morning as we worship you that you will rid our minds of worldly thought, that you'll bring us back, Lord God, to think only of you and of your word, your will, and your way. And we ask, Lord God, that you will continually cover us, cover our sins through the blood of Jesus. It's in his name we do pray and thank thee for be thy will. Amen. Well, I was thinking of uh, this morning in the, the lesson, inspire lessons from, uh, from James. And um, while I wanted to um, put James on the spot, I was like, well, James not inspired. So I should have entitled it Lessons from James and then make James think I'm going to have him come up and speak uh, on the spot. But I'm not going to do that this morning. My wife said, don't be mean. I said, okay. Um, and then I just kept started going through names in the church, you know, Jacob and Micah and John, you know, who's next? James. If James were our preacher today, what would, what would James have to say to us? So I want to go through just some highlights, if you will, in the book of James uh, and allow James to preach to us this morning. Uh, as we normally let Jesus preach to us, but now we're going to let Jesus speak through James and allow James to preach to us. What would James say to us? James chapter 1. We're going to be just in the book of James uh, this morning and no other place. Verse 25. One thing he might say, but one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man shall be blessed in what he does. The first thing he might say is remember who you are. Right? So imagine that picture that you go up, you're looking in the mirror, and you see your, yourself, and then right after you leave, you forget who you are. James says that's not the way we're supposed to live our lives. That's not how we are supposed to be as God's people. We are supposed to remember who we are. Now that is important when we go outside of our homes. It's easy to be a Christian amongst all Christians. <laughs> but when you get out into the world, and you go to your workplace, and when we get behind the wheel of our cars, we've got to remember who we are. Right? Someone cuts us off, remember who you are. Some people say some off-color things, remember who you are. All through our lives, we have to, in both the good and the bad times, remember who we are. When you look intently into the law, the perfect law of liberty, the law of Jesus, when you look into the Word of God, remember, remember who you are. And so thinking about that, then chapter 2 and verse 14, he might also ask about our faith. He might talk about our faith in this way. 
In verse 14, he might say, uh, What use is it, my brethren, if a man says he has faith but has no works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace and be warm and be filled, and yet do not give him that which is necessary for their body, what use is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead being by itself. It's like, he might say to us, I, I like to see what kind of faith you have. Right? And we can talk faith all day long. And we could sit down and we could, we could uh, write a, a, whole, a whole treatise on faith. And why faith is so important and so valid in our lives and so important and so so much a part of my life. And yet if I don't live by faith, if people can't see my faith, what use is that kind of faith? And yet to love the example about a brother or sister being in need of daily food, and then our brother or sister coming. Imagine that picture, right? Our brother or sister coming and, and, and they're knocking on our doors or they come to the building or wherever it may be. And they see us and, and they're really, really hungry. And I say, I sure hope you find what you're looking for while I enjoy my meal. What kind of faith is that? Well, unfortunately, in the Lord's church uh, in those days, there were some folks who were living that way. They had forgotten who they were. They had faith, if you will, from a, an outward standpoint. They could talk about faith. They talked about it. But if you looked at them and you watched their actions, you'd say, that is not a man of God. What kind of faith is that? He might continue that uh, dialogue in verse 24 by saying, See that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works? When she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. So the example, right, of Rahab. I mean, if she said, we believe, we believe, and, and then turn the spies in. What kind of faith is that? That's not the kind of faith that she had. She hid the spies, sent them out on their way, on their journey, and tried her best in the best way that she knew how to protect them. Faith? Faith? You want to know a good start? Look at chapter 1 and verse 27. James might say, here's a good place to start with your faith. The pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God and Father is to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. A good place to start, right? It's a good starting. And then from there, allow your faith to just to grow and to, to, uh, to bless others all around you. What kind of faith do I have? And in those times of, of trial, is my faith uh, exemplified? And, and do I actually remember in those days who I am? Child of God. James might go on to say to us also, you know, life. Life is short, right? Look at chapter 5 and verse 9. And since life is, is short, you know, when we uh, get into an argument with someone in this life, how many, how many of you know people, maybe you might say, hey, I'm one of those people, who had some issues with people in high school, and then now you see them 30 years later, 
and you remember those issues and they're still your enemy? You just held a grudge, right? How many, anybody know anyone like that? You ever, you ever been in those shoes? You ever, you ever, maybe not even that long, maybe just been angry with someone and, and, and being angry and then, and then you hold a grudge. And how long are you going to hold your grudge for? And James says, you know, life is too short for that. Chapter 5 and verse 9. Uh, Do not complain, brethren, against one another, that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. Uh, so forgiving my enemy is uh, pretty pretty critical. And I think James is trying to remind me of something that I don't like to always hear. And that is, you are not the judge, Tony. Like, oh, I thought I was. No. No, the judge is standing at the door. James has a lot to say. Remember that uh, someone, someone said that hatred in your heart consumes you. Right? L- listen to what it says. James goes on, chapter 4, verse 11. On, on the, same, the same idea and the same thought. Verse 11, do not speak against one another, brethren. I love how he says, brethren. You know, he's talking to Christians. Don't speak against each other. Be nice to each other. Oh, wait. That is kind of what he's saying, isn't it? Yeah, be nice to each other. Stop being so judgmental of each other. Hmm. Do not speak against one another, brethren. He who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law... You are not a doer of the law, but a judge of the law. There's only one lawgiver and judge. And Tony Cloud, that is not you. Wait, that's not in there. Wait. There's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who's able to save and destroy. But who are you who judge your neighbor? I love that question. Right? Who, who, it's like James is saying, who do you think you are? And then it's like, have you forgotten who you are? And <laughs> just a little, a little nothing. But it's easier to judge everybody else. James might say, hey, you know, this is the reason why people don't like reading the book of James, because James is really strong. <laughs> you know what he does? What James really does is remind you of what Jesus said <laughs> in the Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> That's really what James' book is all about. It's all about really, in reality, everything Jesus said kind of summed up. When you go back and read it and you start studying James, You'll find you start at chapter 1 and you read verse by verse by verse and you'll, you'll hear those words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount all throughout the book of James. And James is putting it all into a, a different perspective of life and saying, you know, remember something. Um, Tony, you are not the judge. Stop judging your neighbor. Right? I like judging my neighbor, though, because it makes me look good. Right? Think about that. If I can say things like, you know, I'm better than him. <laughs> At least I didn't do what he did. <laughs> Makes me look really, really good, really, but not in reality. I, I always try to explain to people that when you, when you judge someone and you bring them down to your level, that didn't bring you up. <laughs> You're still at your level. You just brought them down to your level, somewhere that you can see. God says, don't do that. James would continue to say, there's some things you have to avoid in your life. Verse 1, James 4. Verse 1, what is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? We might say, no, I'm not at war within myself. I know exactly what I want and what I need and where I need to be and what I... 
Okay, so hang on. You lust, verse 2, and do not have, so commit murder. Well, wait a minute. We've never, never committed murder, right? But didn't Jesus say hatred is the same as murder? Oh, wait a minute. Now it's starting to kind of hit home. Yeah. Okay, I'm listening now. You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. And you are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not, you do not ask. Well, I did ask for that Mercedes Benz and that Lexus and that BMW and that. That's not what he's talking about, right? That's not what he's talking about. I mean, how, how many of us are looking for resolution, like peace? Right? How many of us are looking for peace? And when you look for peace, you've got to communicate, right? got to communicate with each other. Congregation needs to communicate with the congregation. Elders communicate with the congregation. We communicate with the elders, with the preacher. We all communicate. We talk to each other. Problem is, when I get into the way, and I no longer seek peace, peace probably isn't going to come. So he says, we're fighting. And then verse 3 you ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong... Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, it's kind of hard to read, huh? Your motives aren't pure. Well, I mean... Okay, Lord, I, I asked you to bless him so you would bless me. That's the, yes, that's the only reason I wanted you to bless him. I just wanted the blessing for me. That's the wrong motive. I, I want you to bless them because I just want you to bless them, God, because you're good. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward? It's tougher, doesn't it? Oh, but all of my friends are in the world. I don't have any church friends. Lord, when I think about it, every friend I have is in the world. Hmm. Hostility toward God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. You ever read that verse and thought about it? You ever dug into that verse and really listened to what James is trying to say? And then he goes on to say, Well, do you think that the Scriptures speak to no purpose? He jealously desires the Spirit which he has made to dwell in us, God doesn't want to lose you to the world. He's jealous. Doesn't it say that? God is a jealous God. God doesn't want to lose us to Satan because he loves us. Oh, and who better to pull us away from God than the world? Wow, this is becoming pretty clear. Not very friendly, but pretty clear. Okay. Do not fret because another prospers. Stay away from coveting. Stop quarreling. 
Allow God to have his way with you. Do I really want to do that? Do I really want God to have his way with me? Maybe my prayer is, God, how about you have your way with them, with that person, and I'll watch it, and I'll learn, and then... But that's not what James tells us. Verse 6 of chapter 4. But he gives greater grace. Therefore it says, God... is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So, listen to the inference here. God gives grace to the humble. And then he says, resist the devil. Submit to God. Resist the devil. Which tells me the devil is all over pride. And so when you're pride, is before God, you're going to have trouble. You got to submit, right? All of us are bond servants of God, slaves, slaves of Jesus. Thank you, God. <laughs> Can you think of a better master? Thank you, God, to submit my will to God's will. To say, God, use me in any way that you desire. And, and God, I know you've said this. Submit. Verse 7. Submit therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. When I submit to God, he gives me the power to resist the devil. And the devil has to leave me alone. See, people just say, you know, be gone, Satan. There's more to it than just that. You've got to submit to God first. Because God is the one who will make Satan flee. Because God is stronger than Satan. Because Satan is evil. Am I willing to submit my life, my mind, my heart, my soul to God? So that I can resist the devil. and He'll leave me alone. James goes on to say, draw near, verse 8. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Wait a minute, I have a responsibility in this? Yeah, I have a responsibility in this. Oh, I thought God would just do it just because God is good. And no, I have a responsibility in this. I have to submit. I have to resist. I have to draw near. And then God will take care of the rest. But I have a part to play in this. Remember who you are, Tony. Show me your faith in God. Submit to God. Don't be the judge. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Right here we say, I'm glad he's talking about everybody else. <laughs> he's talking to me. James, you're not a very good elder. Talking to me like that. Okay, good thing it wasn't James, right? You sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep 
Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. If, here's the point, if you haven't submitted to God, you got trouble. See, this is, this is real, isn't it? Satan's real. I'm going to get back to Satan in, in, a, in a moment. Maybe, we might not finish. Submit to God because the devil is after me. And he's after you. And he's keeping the world happy. And he wants us to think, if we leave God, we'll be happy too. Just like the world. But then he says, no, no, no. See, if you live in the world, he says, I want you to understand something. When you're not with God, then you need to be miserable. Because it's misery out there. It's misery with Satan. It's terrible with the devil. So here's your part, preacher. Verse 10. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. I thought I was supposed to exalt myself. (laughs) You know, if I don't tell you how good I am, who's going to be? You're not going to say it, right? That's not what God's looking for. James, he's a great preacher, but James is a preacher who will never keep his job. (laughs) Right? Not in any congregation. You start preaching this kind of stuff, and uh uh, you can't say this kind of stuff, James. Let's go on. Let's keep reading. Chapter 2, verse 10. Chapter 2, verse 10. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point. I went back to that judging thing again, aren't we? He just doesn't want to leave judging alone, does he? Right? He who keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point is guilty of all. You, you become guilty of all. You break one point of God's law, you've broken the whole law. That's the reason why we can't be saved on our own. We need God. We need Jesus to save us. Right? You, you break one point, you broke it all. So now I look at my brother and my sister, and I see they broke, they broke in one point, and now I, I want to judge them. And they might come back and say, well, you broke something else. Well, yeah, so guess what? We're all guilty of the same thing. We're all guilty of breaking God. Excuse me, God's law. All of us. And that's why Jesus had to die. And when I say had to, I'm not saying he had to do it like he had no choice. I'm saying if he was going to save us, there was no other way. And I've even questioned God. I've said, God, wasn't there another way? I mean, why did you come down here and let us treat you that way? Because of me, wasn't there another way? Couldn't you have just said, send me gone? Couldn't you have done something different? But there was no other way. Established from the Old Testament about sacrifice, there was no other way. And all because of me, the judge, right? Jesus died a cruel death. Because it's so much easier to judge. He goes on to say, you stumble at one point. You're guilty of the whole law. Verse 11, for he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not commit murder. Oh. Okay, let's keep reading. 
Now, if you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you become a transgressor of the law. Oh, now I'm kind of getting it. It doesn't really matter which sin you commit. Sin is sin, right? So when I look at my brother through these, you know, slanted eyes and, you know, fogged up glasses, right? And I say, oh, yeah, look, at you're not even. And I pick something about you that I don't like. And then they pick something about me that I don't like. Now we've got trouble. God says, stop being the judge. Stop being the judge. You're not the judge. Who made you the judge? God didn't make you the judge. God's the judge. So you have to love the Bible as it's trying to explain to us that you've got to remember, maybe you're not guilty of all of this stuff over here, but you've got a whole skeleton over here. (laughs) Yeah, right? That's why he said, you sinners, all of us. It's so much easier to look at everybody else and talk about what they're doing wrong. So much harder to look at self. But you know, every time you read the Bible, the Bible is not pointing at everyone else. It's pointing at me. Right? When I read the book, it's pointing at me. If the words are upside down, they're pointing at you. But the words aren't upside down, they're pointing at me. Right? Yeah, they're pointing at me. Thank you, God. Help me to see me. Save yourself from this perverse generation. And then he goes on to say, in verse 12, So speak and so act as those who are to be judged by the law of liberty. For the judgment will be merciless to the one who has shown now it's getting kind of scary. To the one who has shown no mercy, mercy triumphs over judgment. How merciful am I? How much mercy do I want to receive? Okay, God, now you're appealing to my selfishness. See, God, I want, like, all of your mercy. (laughs) But I'm not willing to give it. See, he's talking to me. Talking to me. He's talking to you. Who are you? The humble or the judge? God, James, is talking. Mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. It's easier to be merciful than it is to be judgmental. Judgmental minds make me feel good, but it kills everybody else. Well, that's all that matters, right? It's me. I'm the only one that matters. As long as I feel good, who cares how you feel? That's not who we are as God's people, right? That's not what we're supposed to be as God's people. We're supposed to be merciful. I love this question. Imagine this. The person whom you are discussing life with, and you're in their shoes, and God puts you just for a moment in their shoes. There's two discussions. The first part of the discussion, you're talking to them, and as they're speaking to you, you're judging them. 
You're saying, oh, I can't believe you did that. You just go on and on and on. And then God reverses it for just a moment and puts you in their shoes. And he puts you back in their, in their, up, through their upbringing, right? As they were infants, as they were children growing up, all the way up until today. And you know what you end up finding out when you're honest? You might not, you might not have done what they did, but you might have done worse. If you were in their exact same position, in their exact same environment, in their exact same circumstances, you may have just done worse than they could have ever done. Maybe. Maybe you would have done better. But the point is this. It doesn't really matter. Be merciful. Be merciful. Show empathy. Find sympathy. Try to be the encourager. Let God take care of the judgment. Okay, he, yes. Let me just give you, let me give you one more and then. Because y'all look at me kind of funny. (laughs) Usually I add to my sermon when that happens, but I think I get it this morning. Chapter 2, verse 9. Don't show partiality. You ever done that? I mean, you can you read the Bible, you can see it over and over again, right? You go back to, to Jacob and you look at the situation there. You look at partiality from the Old Testament all the way. You look at the lives of these people and their partiality. And look at what it gets us, right? I mean, look at Joseph and his brothers. The Bible says they couldn't even speak a kind word to him. They hated him because he was a favorite child. Show partiality. In the church, you ever seen this? You ever seen one person? I know, and I know you're going to say yes. Right, you may have been this person who committed a sin, and, and you acknowledged it, and then and then the church treated you one way, but then someone else did the exact same thing, and treat, they treated them the opposite. You ever seen that before? Like they excuse this this brother or sister, we're going to excuse that one, but oh, we're going to bring the hammer down on this. You ever seen that before? Oh, how sinful, how sad. Church partiality is sin, right? Partiality is sin. God's the judge. Leave it to God. Let God deal with that. We don't have to deal with it. Life is so much easier. I learned something a long time ago that my job as a preacher is not to police people. My job is to preach. Right? Y'all can do what you want with it. My job is just to preach it. To preach it in spirit and truth. To bring glory and honor to God. That's my job. Not the police. I don't have to be the judge. It's so much easier not being the judge. Let God do that. Just preach. That's it. Simple. Just teach. What does God say? Verse 9 says, But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressive. So the very thing that I'm doing is wrong. Sinful. We don't treat one sin as greater than the other. Sometimes, church, we get in that little bandwagon of things where one sin is the worst sin ever. No, they're all the same. They're all evil. They all sent Jesus to the cross. Well, I know there are different consequences, but they're all the same. How do we get into sin? The Bible says some of us just fall into it. We're trapped. Who do we get trapped by? We get trapped by Satan. We fell into Satan's trap. And then I might look over and say, I can't believe you fell for that one. Yeah, but I fell for the other one, right? Don't show partiality. All of us have two things. We have strengths, and we have 
Ah, good. Thank you. Weaknesses. And you've got to love the person that says, well, I really don't have any weaknesses. We know your weakness. What is it? It's lying, isn't it? Right? <laughs> That's easy. Right? All of us have strengths and weaknesses, church. Right? We're all, we're all struggling in some way or another. All of us are, are in the same, we're in the same boat. Right? We're in the same situation. We need Jesus to save us because we can't save ourselves. James says, don't, what if God, what if God showed partiality? What if God said, well, you know, okay, um, you're, no, no, let me, you know, what if God did that, right? God doesn't do that. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for loving us. Thank you, God, for loving us. This morning, the lesson is yours. I, we're going to come back and talk about James. Or should I say we're going to let James talk to us? It's a good sermon, right? James is a good preacher. He doesn't, keep a, he doesn't keep a job too long, though, but he's a great preacher. Let it resonate into your hearts. Right? Let God talk to us. Let God continue to talk to us. Because the preacher need, needs God's help. The preacher's committed sin. The preacher's asking God for his blessings and for his mercy, just like you. And when you think to yourself, well, I've committed a sin that's too great for God to forgive, you forgot to listen to the Bible. Because God's greater than our sin. Right? There's nothing you can do. And I know we say this, you can't out-sin grace, which is, which is true, as long as you repent. We got that, right? Get baptized into Christ. Here's the opportunity right here. If today you're not a child of God, you're not a Christian, and you want to receive all of God's grace, you want to receive his grace and mercy, surrender to him in the waters of baptism. Humble yourself, right? Hearing his word and believing it and having godly sorrow in your heart. Making a confession that I believe Jesus is Lord, the Christ, the Son of the living God. Be baptized, immersed in water for the remission of your sins. There's a whole plethora of scriptures on that plan of salvation. And then stay faithful and true to God. And if you found this morning that maybe some of these things that James was talking about, maybe you, you need to ask forgiveness of. No such thing as an aisle of shame in the Lord's church. Just go to God and pray in your own heart and mind. But if you need prayers, the prayers of the church, we might pray with you or pray for you. This is a great opportunity for you to do that. The lesson is yours. Thank you for your time this morning. God bless you. If we can help in any way, please stand, come while together we stand and sing our song of invitation.